Peace, peace. Welcome to another special edition of Out the Box Talks. I feel like I say that every episode, but really, like every time I do an episode, I feel like it's special, you know? So this show, we have another guest. This is episode 28. Big ups to yourself if you've been checking with us since the beginning of the year. What a year it has been. We are at episode 28. I am your host, Krill, out the box. I'm going to keep this thing pushing on a weekly basis. I'm so excited to have our new guest today. It's a brother that I've actually been checking for, I want to say, probably the last two to three years. I've been checking out a lot of his projects, uh, picked up a number of his projects. Really excited to have him on the show today. He has a new project coming out on Mellow Music Group. It's entitled LSD. He originally, I believe, hails from Connecticut. Been in the New York area doing his thing. Man, I'm just delighted to have this brother on the show. So without further ado, I would love to welcome to our Out the Box Talks listening audience, Brother Cam Bada. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bada's in the building. What's good, Bada? How we doing? I'm good, man. I'm so happy to have you here, man. Like, fresh off the upcoming release on Mellow Music Group, man. I got so much I want to chop it up with you on, but how are you? Yo, I'm blessed. I'm blessed, man. I'm actually uh, just healing up from the whole process. I've been working, you know, I've been basically in New York working on this project for four years, man. And wow. it's just honestly an honor. I feel relieved. It's kind of weird, you know, to finish. When, when, you, when you put your mind on something and you want to you wanna make it perfect once it's done, sometimes you can feel empty like you don't have nothing to do. But I've been just taking this time to really both enjoy my loved ones and, 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 and keep it moving, man. A lot of crazy stuff in store for the future for after this project, too. So, wow, you know, it's been great. Wonderful, wonderful, man. So, I got a lot that I want to talk to you about today. But I want to start this interview off strong because when I listen to you as an MC, you just come across strong. Like, I hear charisma. I hear character. You know, I hear... Some some of the best punchlines I've ever heard from an MC infused with just high vocabulary. So Yeah, yeah. Just curious to know, like, how did you get to the point where you were able to perfect your craft to be able to present yourself so powerfully as an MC? Um, I, I mean, first of all, great question. I mm. think a, a lot of it, I think some of it is is predisposed genetics and and, and just you know gifts from the, my parents or God at, at first just foundationally, and then beyond that um, just addiction level work ethic when it comes to my approach to my skill set uh, you know my my technique when it comes to rhyming um, you know just just early on what attracted me to rap was the wordplay was you know what a punchline did to my brain it has this way it's like a riddle or 
something that puts this new wrinkle in your mind uh, and, it, and it happens in music mm. kind of like how it does on the stage in comedy except that it rhymes and it's rhythmic so it, it, it's, it's just it's the ultimate dunk contest you know if, if, if rapping was basketball then this would be essentially the punching and the rhyme sequences would be the dunk and that's what really attracted me at a young age so when I was 10 and 11 years old, what kind of attracted me to rap was the punchline and also the multisyllabic rhyme schemes. So it was always a point of intention for me to master the linguistic aspect of rap. Mm. Whereas most people that got attracted to rap wanted to be rappers. They, they want to be superstars. They want to be rich. They want to be famous. They want to be known. They want to be great. My, my goal was to be a master and excellent at the craft before mm -hmm. anything. I didn't care if nobody heard of me. Um, you know, what I heard in the most masterful uh, wordsmiths of, you know, Eminem, Biggie, Big L, Cannabis, all these guys, um, it, it was the technique. And I was able to see it young and, and pay really close attention to it. It's kind of like LeBron James. Um, he, it was, it was like, he was almost born for basketball. Like it, it was a perfect storm. Um, and that, that was, it's sort of like that with me, man. I think for whatever reason, a lot of people who are gifted mentally and who are great lyricists tend to lack rhythm and also cadence and flow. Um, and a lot of times people who have a lot of rhythm and cadence and flow don't have lyricism. Um, but I'm just lucky. God bless me. And also I, I take the initiative. I literally work at it every day. So, you know, that's really it, but it is, it's, it's a, you have to take attention. Anybody that you've ever heard that's a serious level lyricist, mm. whether they know it or not, they're doing something every day to enhance that. Wow. Very well said, brother. I appreciate that. Yeah. So as I said earlier, you got this new album dropping on Mellow Music Group. Really, really dope label. I've been following them for a long time. I've interviewed a number of artists that have either collaborated with the label or, you know, part of the label. Tell me a little bit about how this relationship with them came to be. Is it an actual deal, like a label deal? And how did it transpire? Well, um, just uh, some background. Um, I, I got the name Cambada when I was 15. So technically, I've been rapping and putting out music since I was 15 years old. Um, I put out my first official project when I was 20, 21 years old in 2007. Actually, it was like 2008 mm -hmm. um, when I put out my visionary project. And since then, I've been 100% independent. Um, no investors, but, you know, mutual buddies and business partners that, you know, just, you know, work a regular job and just are helping me put together a couple hundred bucks to do music videos here and there. Other than that, I never had a label. I've never had anybody to really depend on. So I got really adjusted to the independent. Um, I, you know, my mind was never on that after a while. You know, when I came down to New York in 2013, I met with a couple labels, Atlantic Records, RCA Records. Um, I've met with Mass Appeal. I've met with... Mm a couple of labels and it just kind of didn't go. It just, it just wasn't right yet. Like my buzz wasn't big enough. People don't use the air test these days. Like mm. I always knew that like my music was dope and I was a high level rhymer, but it just so happens that I came up in a time where they just started looking at um, Instagram and Twitter followers. Like literally I remember going into Atlantic records 
and then being like, you know, you got to have at least 10,000 Instagram followers, 10,000 Twitter followers, and 10,000 Facebook likes. And wow. this was probably 2013. And back then, I, I, I might have had 2,000 of each, you know, mm. and it was like, oh, man. And every time I went back, that number raised. It was to the point where if you didn't have 100,000 on each, it didn't matter. And they never once did they mention, yo, like, yo, you're, you're, you're a guy level MC. Like, let's right. just sign you and take the chance. Wow. So after, after a while, I just kind of forgot about labels. Like, really, it was just like, all right, you know, I've been knocking on the door all this time. Clearly, they're not going to answer. I'm going to just keep on going with it. Then I put out my Kambala project in 2018. And shortly after Such that, a dope project, by the way. Oh, thank you, thank you. And it's crazy because that that project came in lieu. Everything that came out after uh, my my Crack Baby Porch series uh, that's been out since 2015. Anything that came out after 2015 came out in uh, despite me working on LSD. It was I was no, nothing was planned. Nothing has been planned. So. Um, you know, everything that came in between that, even me going on sway wasn't planned. All of these, I never asked for anything. Everything just kind of falls out of the air. Um, so in 2018, I've already been on sway. I already put out the Tupac murder confession. I already put out, uh, Kambala and I get an email, just a random email. Never hit these people up. I, I had no idea who mellow music was. And they say, yo, we're mellow music. We're an independent label. Um, looking to talk some business with you. And generally, like, I don't pay any attention to these things. Like, that, that email almost got deleted. Wow. And, you know, it just so happened, I, I, you know, I was like, let me see if this is it, you know. Called him up, and he was like, yo, I really love your Cambala project. I, I love how you presented yourself on Sway. He was like, you know, um, I think my label would, would, would fit you well. And I'm still like, you know, is he talking money? Is he talking what? You know, he was like, yo, we'll start off with a one-off album deal um and they offered to actually buy Kambala. like they wanted to kind of grab Kambala and do a new album with me wow. um, but we ended up just doing lsd and that's uh, they they hit me up october 2018 and since then it was like all right now once once i got that deal we signed it in like november 2018 wow and so then a couple uh, years from yeah now. so it was just for, what was that no, I said it's a couple years back, actually. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. what ended up happening is that pressure got on me. Like, it was like, okay, like, prior to that, I was just working on LSD for myself. Like, oh, I'm, I'm just looking to put out a dope album independently, you know, who knows what it'll do, who knows if we'll have a budget, blah, blah, blah. Then once I got the deal for it, we got a little budget for it. Now the whole process starts all over. And now I start to see exactly what happens to artists when they get an album it's, it's a different level of pressure that you put on yourself when yeah. now you have a little bit of a budget when you have these deadlines when you're like oh my goodness now i'm on a label i have to deliver you know something even better than i planned before so it took a while to get everything together um but we're here now and it just so happens that it actually dropped in 2020 when i'm turning 33 and during the quarantine right. and, <laughs> uh, you know, the riot. So it's, you know, it's, it's all divinely timed. Wow. 
Man, I definitely yeah. want to get back to the album. I know it's pretty new. I've, you know, I've been checking for the tracks that you recently put out. But before we go there, I do want to really talk to you about some of the other music that you've done throughout your career. Um, yes. Particularly, you'll probably hear me reference the Holy Ghost 2 album a lot today <laughs> but i mean just so yeah. you know i've 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 definitely checked for the kambala 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 i'm sorry the kambala volume 1 also i've 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 i purchased holy ghost volume 1 and also i've definitely checked for volume 2 so i'm going to be going there tonight man so in reference to your music it tends to have a number of references to comedic or ancient Egyptian knowledge and spirituality. You mentioned a number yes. of the Necheru, or people may mm-hmm. say deities, right, in your music. What's behind yes. your conscious decision to highlight these divine forces in your music? Um, well, just a little background. I grew up in an Israelite Hebrew, black Hebrew church. Um, you know, just going with my grandma, uh, it, you know, and it was a very, very small church. So there was a lot of emphasis on every single person that, I mean, literally our church was probably the size of someone's living room. And it was just me and one other young man. So because there's only two young men there, um, we really got the brunt of all the knowledge. Like I had to, we had to be the shepherds, mm. the cantors. We had to really learn the verses of the Bible. Um, it was a very old fashioned church. So we read out of the old Testament, not the new Testament. Um, and it was a very cultish like church, uh, old school women separate from men. Mm. Um, so I always just kind of, I, I just had an internal compass for, you know, divine doctrine, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And so I already knew all the Bible stories just offhand, just, you know, in my mind without even thinking about it. Um, and then as I grew up, I realized that of course, Marvel comics, is like modern Greek mythology, mm-hmm. which is synonymous with biblical mythology, um, which is synonymous with Egyptian mythology. And, you know, as you get older, you realize that, uh, you know, Hermes, Thoth, Grandfather Abraham, all the same person. You, you know what I mean? Solomon is the same person. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, and I've always been attracted to hyperbole. The reason why music, I mean, the reason why basketball didn't work for me is because I, I realized that I had physical limitations. However, mentally, there are no limitations. You can go as far as you want. And one of the things that kind of stifled me as a rapper younger is figuring out where I want to go with this. Mm. I'm not a street guy, so it didn't feel natural to rap about guns and drugs from a realistic place. Right. Like I can speak of it now in a hyperbolic allegorical sense because I just know how to word it. But when I was younger, it, I was trying to find myself. Mm-hmm. Um, upon analyzing other rappers, I realized that the best place to really do this from is the realms of the imagination. If I leave everything strictly to realism, what am I going to talk about that hasn't been talked about already? Um, jay Z. Um, Nas, Biggie, Tupac already talked about all the life stuff, even though everybody still has a, a story, yeah. but it's boring. Mm. Um, so 
I realize that if I can thread in the most divine mythology into my rhymes mm. and kind of display them in a in a contemporary sense to where people can kind of like a new bible I always say why did we stop writing the bible mm. so really like my music is all about the mythos the modern mythos yeah. so i've always been attracted to christ-like superman like marvel like Her herculean like figures it's because you can say whatever there's no boundaries like the bars i can say when I'm when I'm describing a god and splitting the Red Sea and walking on water and 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 holding the sun in my palm, like you can't do that if you're just talking about you know yo I was flipping bricks on the block, you know how much can you say? Right, right. So really, really, it's it's the hyperbole that brought me to talking about these gods. And every time you read about one of them, you like I mean there are so many there's so many deities. Yes, and then. To not to not limit myself to just comedic, like so. If I if I if I limit myself strictly to comedic um, doctrine, then I can't talk about Hindu gods and Buddhist gods. Right, right. I can't talk about. I can't, so I I go I I don't limit myself, and I basically connect the dots between all of them. You know, nice. and just to get the best bars, to squeeze the most juice out of it. Yeah. That's a great uh, explanation because I was going to ask you how come you you emphasize comedic, but you just kind of answered that. But I was going to ask you how come you emphasize comedic, but not like the Greek gods, right? Like, not, like I don't have yeah. a problem with it, but I was curious to know, like, you know, usually when people think about deities or mythology as it relates to so-called gods and goddesses they think about greek mythology and i thought it was dope that you are referencing um comedic deities which are really african deities right yeah uh, yeah yes. yo and, 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 and not to cut you off but that's it so once i hooked up with brother rich and uh and and black magic 363 shout out right right um I knew I, I knew I was talking to a not only a black crowd but a very educated and and sort of mystical mystical crowd of people who are ready for that. And um, also, we're dealing with children that black children that don't have many black other than Black Panther and Storm and X Men. They don't really know, they're, they're, you know, when, when you see, when you go into a Roman Catholic church or even a Christian church, you're looking at deities that are all white. Um, a lot of us, a lot of us do not know the, the original stories that predate the biblical stories, that are the archetypes and that are the templates of all the biblical gods. And they were black, just like you said. So I, I, I thought it was very important to, to emphasize that, especially in the times we're in. Like, we're ready. Yeah. The black people know now. Yeah. So it, it was very important that I made sure that I used the original, the origination of 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 where all these gods and goddesses come from. Dope, dope, dope. Have you gotten any feedback from people who actually listened to the music and were like inspired to want to know more about like the comedic deities or the spirituality? Did did you get any feedback from listeners over the years in terms of you? you oh know, yeah infusing the music with these references? 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, the feedback has been beyond. I mean, in, in some cases, it's been hard for me to deal with. Like, um, you know, I put this stuff out almost not knowing how impactful it's going to be. And, and you know, like, there's something about hearing it. And it's the same way that hip-hop affected me. I knew that if I could present something that could affect the, 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 the crowd the same way I was affected, but even more dynamically, like, I knew it was going to ca capture them and get them into it. The same way, you know, seeing zeitgeist or seeing any conspiracy might open up your eyes to it. Um, and yes, absolutely. I got, I got people, I've inspired a lot of rappers that I can hear in the way they break down their rhyme schemes that they're listening to me. They're, they're, they're hearing what I'm doing. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, they realize now that it's not about trying to become smarter than the next man. If you're a rapper, what do you use? You use words. Right. So absolutely. And we're limited to the cachet of words we have just in regular times. So when you can go and crack into these uh, divinely, these divine revelation, you're getting better words. You're getting more true words. And mm. people are realizing that, yo, either I'm going to let Cambada get all the bars or I'm going to get on the wave. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting that you say that, man. Now. Yeah. I can see, obviously, that you're a spiritual brother. And for the people that truly understand spirituality, a lot of us know that it's different than religion. And I know you, you spoke about your experience with religion growing up. But um, on your new track, Bones of Osiris, you state mm -hmm. that religion works because human beings are gullible. What makes yeah. religion have such a persuasive impact on the human being? Well, first of all, life and death. Everybody has a sense that death is this inevitability. Um, not only that, but we, we are all looking for answers as to why we are here. Um, religion, in a sense, offers some kind of pseudo explanation for this, uh, indirect explanation for this and probably the only explanation people will ever encounter in their lives to purpose and death what happens when you close your eyes at night and it's because of that it, it's it's obviously something that's um i guess desirable it's it's the most desirable thing you get somebody that claims to know what happens after death to know that there's a higher power to know that you know here are the instructions to get you into heaven. Um, I think everybody on, on earth is essentially vulnerable to this mindset or to this thought process. And, and so it's easy for us to slip into this, especially if we're talking about the, the, the patriarchal structure of the church, which is structured exactly like a courtroom, which is structured exactly like a classroom, which is structured exactly like a, a masonry lodge, a, exactly like a performance stage. Um, we're, we're basically entrained for this process since we're babies. Um, and you have a priest or a preacher or a minister that is essentially your uh, spiritual translator. They're the ones that read the Bible because it's too hard for the congregation to read. And then they're the ones who, who display it for you. So you kind of have no choice but to be gullible to religion because it's the only explanation we have. Mm. We're, we're, we're humans mindlessly, aimlessly walking around, you know, keeping ourselves busy with the day-to-day -day tasks 
and not even questioning what the fuck we're on this weird ass planet. Mm. Why, why are there birds? Why, what is this sun? What is, where does the energy come from? Mm -hmm. You know? Um, and that's why, cause I'm not, I'm not saying human beings are gullible, excluding me. I'm putting myself in there too. Um, religion works cause human beings are gullible. Essentially the most enlightened human is going to be able to have a, a routine that they've created themselves that becomes a religion to that person, other people see how effective it is in following his footsteps. And that's how you get a story like Jesus. Everybody has a religious behavior. It's just that, did it stem from you? Or was it created by another man who's just trying to get some money? Wow. Well said, man. Well said. I, I just feel like you have such a really dope way with words that when you say certain things, it, it just kind of sticks out and it, it gives you a whole new meaning to things that you didn't look at the way that you now look yeah. at them, you know? So I appreciate your abilities with your words and being able to do that through the music. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate your ears, man. No doubt, no doubt. So I want to also reference another line from Bones of Osiris. You say... If you're not as smart as me, I'm dumb to you. My favorite color is the number W. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Explain that line, particularly the favorite color part. <laughs> yeah, so um, essentially, like, I've, you know, I've been, I've been a lyricist, you know, since I picked up a pen. And it's always been like, yo, Cam, you're going over people's heads. You need to dumb it down. And I'm like, what kind of man asks me to dumb it down for them? To right. me, you should just want to smarten up. True that. You know, because other than that, like, everything I'm saying is going to sound like mumble to somebody that doesn't understand. It's kind of like listening to somebody speak in Italian. They could be the most eloquently intelligent person you've ever met, but if you don't understand what they're saying, it sounds like mumbo jumbo. So when I say something like my favorite colors, the number W. I'm giving you a color, a number, and a letter. And I'm trying to find some kind of synchronicity with them. And I'm telling you, my favorite color is the number W. So to solve this riddle, I really left it in the hands of the, the, the listener to put this together. And I'm going to do the same here. So if, you, if you're familiar with Gematria or even the alphabet, which has 26 letters, right, you can go down and you can then figure out which number W is and then line that up with the color chart. So what number is W? And then go on the color chart, which starts at 0001, and find the corresponding color. Or you could look at a W in Roman numerals as a W, as a double V, and come up with 10 and realize that there's a number that corresponds with that. I so love it, man. That's kind of where I want to leave it. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to give it away completely. Indeed. But because it, it, yeah, it, it's essentially a puzzle. And um, but I think you know where I'm getting towards on. No, that. I totally to get it. Number that. Yeah, you have to find the number that corresponds with the letter that corresponds with the color, and you'll understand what I'm talking about. I love and it, I, man. You know, I'd rather people go on their cookie crumb uh, fumble and find it themselves. 
Dope. I love it, man. I love the creativity and just like the ability to find. I'm a, I'm a student of lyrics, man. If it's one thing I really enjoy is lyrics, man. I really listen. So thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, you have two collaborative projects under the belt with producer Black Magic. As we said earlier, Holy Ghost 1 and 2. Tell me a little bit about how your relationship with him transpired into these two albums. Um, I mean, when you talk about the law of attraction and magic and all of that manifestation, this is it 100%. 2013, 2014, I had no idea who Brother Rich was. All I knew is that his channel was the channel I kept clicking on anytime I wanted to hear people like Bobby Hammett and Phil Valentine speak. Mm. Uh, Red and Blue Pill, they, they were also in A.A. Rasheed. Right. Would, would be on these channels. And uh, it was a Brother Rich channel, but at the time I had no idea what Brother Rich even looked like. All I know is that he's asking all these cool questions and he's got like these incredible black researchers and basically philosophers um, speaking on his channel. Um, but then one thing led to another, and I met up with this dude named Kepera. And this dude, Kepera, is, was a producer, is a producer, um, and he was kind of like, it's, it's, it's crazy. He's the person who taught me the Kabbalah tree. He's also the producer that produced Joyner Lucas's first song, Ross Capriccioni, that got him popping. Because I, when I was in Tampa, Joyner Lucas was out there too. And this was the producer mm. that was working with him. He's also the producer that introduced me to A.A. Rashid, who was one of the speakers on Brother Richard's channel. Yes. He posted one of my videos and then Red Pill reposted it. So I knew that Red Pill was familiar with who I was. So fast forward 2015, I moved to New York um, with, with Phoenix, um, my business partner. And um, the first thing we do is go to a, uh, a Brother Polite debate. And when I go to the debate, I see Loaded Lux there, which is another foreshadowing. Right. But I also see Red and Blue Pill. And right. I introduce myself to him. I'm like, yo, I'm Cambodia. You, you heard my song on the internet. He was, I was like, yo, I just moved down here. I'd love to do music with you and whatever, whatever you want to do. Literally, if it wasn't that night, it was the next night. We got in the studio and we started making music. And then Brother Rich eventually heard the music we worked on. And then he heard God Lives. And we hit him up for an interview. And after the interview was done on his channel, I interviewed on his channel. So already I'm like, damn, I'm now on the channel that I used to watch. Wow. Just by making a couple moves. And then after that, I'm like, yo, like, let's, let's do a song or something. He sends me the Black Magic beat, which is was the basically the title song of his channel and the first song we did. After we did that song, we did an EP, and I saw all she wrote. It was kind of like, and the crazy thing about it is Black Magic or Brother Rich didn't have any projects out prior to that. Right. I, These are his first two projects. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, I'm familiar with the channel and his, you know, his interviews and stuff, but I had no idea that he was a producer. Like, he was actually making beats. So, like, how did you actually find that yeah. out? That, I, once I, yeah, it's funny. Once I find out that somebody does music, it's an end. It's <laughs> an end, because especially if they're a producer, because I know they need rhymers. 
And it was like, I found out that he was producing. And, and so that's why it was such a valuable and poignant move. It was like, oh shit, this guy does music. If I can do a dope ass song with him, he'll want to do all my music with me. And he has a huge crowd. I mean, he has over 250,000 subscribers. Right. So this is immediately going to be heard by a quarter of a million people. Wow. So it, it was just it was just an opportunity. And for anybody listening, those that's the kind. If you're a rapper, find somebody that's a producer that's not necessarily doing a doing much. They they might need that spark. And watch what happens. And it just so happens that brother Rich is just abnormal, and he makes incredible music. And he was just kind of honestly waiting for me. He wow. didn't know it. I didn't know it. Wow. And that, that, that really changed that really changed my life because it opened me up to a huge crowd. I think before that, I only had like three or 4,000 followers. And then after that, like everything just started coming together. But yeah, like I just from the conversations with him, I found out that he made beats. And he sent me some beats and I immediately, it wasn't no question. It was like, all right, take advantage of this opportunity. I think I got the song done in a day. As soon as wow. he sent me the beat, I started, I was like, boom, I got to make the best song this guy's ever heard. So that way he could put me on his channel and we could get popping. And that's exactly what happened. That's and from dope. there, it was like, and the way I work is so fast, so easy. Um, that, yeah, like, for, for me to be his first two projects, it really made it easy. It's like, you know, he makes beats at the drop of a dime just as soon as I'm there. And I write rhymes and record them myself. So I would I would bring the I would bring the I bring the beat back home and record myself, mix it, master it, and send it back to him done. So there's there's no there's no waiting. It's like boom, here it is. And I just took advantage of it, you know. Wow, man. That's amazing, man. I'm I'm glad to hear that story. So another song that you've done with uh Black Magic, aka Brother Rich. Shaka Zulu, you have a a line, yeah. s- such a dope line on that on that song, pretty dope song all all together. But um, you say, "Mama was a hunter, Daddy was a hunter, all of my brothers hunt each other." Ooh, no yeah. knuckle up yeah. and uppercut a slug or punch or snuff a stun a thug, a gun a stutter stutter, blood is butter. You're gonna do the Brooklyn Bruck up, buck up, come and drum up. Now I don't know if I said everything right, but when I heard that line, <laughs> I was like, "Yo, what?" It was going through your mind, like, like what type of frequency were you operating on as far as your mental, or or to get that kind of rhythm going when you put that line together? Because it's so fresh. Yeah, yo, I appreciate that. I mean, it's kind of difficult to explain, man. Um, it's uh, when I'm going through a beat, I always try to imagine if I'm hearing it, what would be the best way to do it, mm. and then try to do it. Like, so it's kind of like dancing in the steps of like when you have a beat, especially like a beat like that, that is kind of slow. Mm-hmm. It allows me to put more in between the beat sequences, so. It, I, I guess I'm just I'm just trying to. It's like mumble rapping. If you've ever seen Young Thug in the booth, he he literally, and this is why he's different than everybody else. 
his art is so pure. And I say that in a way, you know, obviously I say that loosely because, you know, the substance of what he's saying um, is, is basically, you know, microwavable. But when mm-hmm. you see his process, you understand why. He literally pulls the words out of the sound that he mumbles. So on a song like that, like when I'm going, that's what I'm doing. So it's like, um, brother, honey, each other. Yeah. And then you have to find the corresponding words that work with those sounds. Nice. So I'm setting up the pattern by mumbling. Right. Wow. So in and Brother Rich has the recording, like that song was initially freestyled. Okay. So because I freestyled everything already, I already knew the flow. I just had to make the words work. Right. And that's that's what it came out. So it's like other so it was like gunners, butter, blood, blood, you gonna do the Brooklyn buck up. I just knew I was rhyming things that sound like utter. Right, utter, 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 Yeah, yeah. It's um but then you have to keep the thread. So it's not enough to just cause I could just say I could say butter, mother, I could say a whole bunch of stupid stuff, you yeah. know. But, I think um, that's the dope part I, about it, is like it actually sounds like you're making sense what i'm curious to know i I like the idea that you said you put the pattern together first and then you had to find the words what i'm curious to know is how did you go about finding the words like what was that process like was that a tedious process to be like okay i need to not just find the words but i got to find the words that make sense (laughs) that's where the magic comes in man um it's when you can find things that coincide that also happen to rhyme that's where it comes into like, all right, how rare is this? Mm. Um, really, it comes down to a lifetime of rhyming. I already map my mind knows every possibility already, so I could sift through all the junk. It's the same way that I did the uh, the acronym song I did, um, DMT. I know all the ro- all the vowel sounds. Words rhyme because of the vowels, but there's only five or six vowels. Mm. So as long as you know exactly every word then i knew like i knew at that point i was beating somebody up so i just had to find every word that describes beating somebody up uppercut knuckle because i'm rhyming oh i'm rhyming oh so unch snuff cut you know gun butt you know pup pups blood spot all of that rhymes with what i'm trying to describe so Puts, I can group it. I can group it and just say, I need every violent word I need. And my mind knows what those violent words are. It's like a really specific Google search. Wow. Man, I, I really am a fan of like creativity when it comes to hip hop. And I think you do that throughout your music really well. I want to actually yeah. jump into another question which is in relation to something that you reference, you know, a number of times in your music, you reference entheogens and psychedelic substances, you know, frequently in your music. And I'm just curious to know what's your particular experience with the psychedelics and how it impacts your music. And uh, what would you say is like the biggest misconception people have about them? So that's a two pack part question. Like what's, how does that, you know, what's your pers- or particular experience with the substances as far as your music and the misconceptions you think people have with it? 
Well, first off, a little background is um, I didn't start even smoking weed until I was 23 years old. Um, and, and most of that was because I grew up in a household that was heavily influenced by drugs and drug addiction and addicts and crack cocaine. So the stigma was there. I just told myself I would never do drugs as a young kid. And I really didn't need to because I had such a lucid mind already. Like um, my mom and dad were both particularly um, different kind of people. My mom is absolutely one of the most talented, um, eclectic, charismatic women ever. Mm. She just, she sings, dances. She's an artist. She, she does any accent, any voice. As soon as she hears it, she could do it perfectly. Like, and then, um, I didn't know my dad. Well, I, he left when I was five, but he was only 20 when I was born. So those were the genetics that I usurped from, but he was also off. He was just the weirdest dude. Like, I mean, he, he, he ran away from home and he was 13, lived in the forest. Um, he, he, he was adopted. So, you know, his, his brain was all screwed up. So me getting those predispositions, I used to, anytime I got sick and got a fever, I would hallucinate mm. like bad. Like I was just always hallucinating. My dreams were always insane. Um, and I was, I, I just always was a little different than the other kids, but I didn't start doing smoking weed until I was 23. And it was because of rap, because I knew that it was very hard for me to focus on rap. My mind was just way too hyperactive. It's hard for me to just sit down and keep a straight thought. So 23, right before I did the porch is when I started smoking weed and I realized, Oh my God, this helps me isolate my creativity, helps me sit down and makes me really excited and happy about being by myself in darkness and thinking about stuff. So shortly after that, it wasn't hard to convince me to do mushrooms because especially if you just say, yo, like, look, you already went through weed. Um, you know, you've already been having hallucinogenic uh, experiences every time you get sick. You know, you've seen the world shifted already. Like, how much different could it be? So around 2011, 2012, I started dealing with uh, mushrooms. And I was the most life-changing experience of my life. Like, mm. I clearly have a sensitivity to it. So my first couple experiences with mushrooms, first of all, I was doing it, and we were we kind of overdosed ourselves. We definitely did over a heroic dose, which is five grams. These are both my first times. And um, my second time, I ended up in the hospital, completely wow. shattered my ego. Um, and shifted my life. I mean, more so than, you know, seeing an alien come down. I mean, when you really lose it on, 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 on mushrooms, certain people, I mean, they really break through. It's called having a breakthrough yeah. where it shatters your reality. You, you now, I mean, you never forget it. You never forget. It's like seeing God. It's like literally you understand the fabric of the infinite. Um, and since then I've done DMT, acid, uh, peyote, mescaline, uh, which is, which is the active in alkaline in peyote, but I've also done San Pedro cactus. Um, I've done DMT in many different forms, uh, mm -hmm. toad DMT. Um, and I mean, first of all, I don't do it that often. It's a very, very serious situation. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, mm -hmm. 
like I might do it a couple times a year, literally, mm. Mm. Um, because when it happens, it is very, very mind altering, very serious. It's not, you know, rainbows and pink elephants like the movie right. said is mm. um, the biggest misconception is that it's a drug. I mean, even me hearing about it, saying things like acid and mushrooms and you say something like DMT that has an acronym like that, that sounds like so laboratory based. You know, people that aren't educated on it might think that you're, you know, a druggie, a junkie. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people think that I'm always doing it, um, that, you know, I'm going to lose myself like I've already like, you know, it's too much. And for some people, it is. It's not for everybody. Right. It's. It is proof of God. It is proof of telepathy and psychic abilities and um, spirits. It is absolutely that. Like if if you're built for it and you can, if you want to, you want to go down the, the 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 yellow brick road and meet the eyes, then you know it's right there. And mushrooms and DMT are Earth giving you that experience we're talking about that transcendental experience that's explained in the bible when moses went up uh, you know on mount zion what was it i forget which mountain it was mount sinai um i think it was mount sinai yes when he traveled up mount sinai and got the tablets of stone you know tablets stone burning bush you know what, what do you think this guy was doing um i mean and even when you talk about the sacrament the soma you're talking like these people were all about inciting the spirit. They had no NBA and NFL and 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 hip hop even. Um, to, to it was basically I'm born. Let's figure out why we're on this planet. And those kind of substances and entheogens and plants definitely do that. It, it's there should be no mystery while we're here. The mystery is why we are why we are mentally enslaved. Like they essentially, the systems cannot work if everybody's broken through the veil of materialism. Once you realize, I mean, when you're on when you're on psychedelics, you don't want to eat because you realize that eating is why you become grounded in the first place, and you'll lose the experience of being physical if you're too physical. So you're not going to be spiritual if you're too if your body's too busy digesting and, and, and notice that it says digesting right <laughs> candy is can die right mm. diet right it all it all starts with die diabetes right mm. die divide it's all die interesting and and that is what essentially keeps you grounded in the physical and i noticed that when my trips are too much that's when i want to eat because i want to get back Mm. I want to confuse my body again. I want to confuse my, because you get, once it's, it's very hard to have stability being strictly spiritual in a strictly material world. When you, when, when your whole family is still doing Thanksgiving and partying and drinking and eating, and you might be with a, with a girlfriend or a boyfriend that doesn't live that lifestyle. Like you, you're going to stick out like a sport sore thumb. If you're skipping around, you know, like, like, like it's Narnia, and everybody else is, is, is preparing for the Super Bowl, mm. you know? So it, it, it is very hard to maintain a lifestyle in a psychedelic mindset, but it is not a drug. It is not bad. It's not for everybody. And it's not something to be played around with. 
Right, right. Yeah, I was going to say, man, you know, just want to make sure I put the disclaimer out there, man. We're not saying anyone go do these, but I was just, uh, you know, curious to know how it affected your creativity. You know, that was really interesting breakdown, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, man, I feel like I was spiritually called to it. And I feel like under those states, especially under DMT and mushrooms, I was granted the Ark of the Covenant and the gift of language. Mm. 100%. If you ask me, that's what happened. That's what happened when I did it. But again, it doesn't happen to everybody. It's not for, for everybody. Right. Everybody has a divine calling. Mm. And, you know, I know a thousand people that have done mushrooms. And the majority of them just basically say, oh, I saw some colors. It was cool. Yeah. You know, oh, this, that, and the other. And then they end up wasting their whole life doing mushrooms and DMT looking for the face of God. You got to be righteous off rip. If you can't see God when you're sober, you're not going to see him under mushrooms. Mm. You know, so at, at first, you got to get yourself right before you get into that. And when, when I first started doing mushrooms especially, I mean, I was really working out and cleaning my body out. Mm -hmm. And I was already, I was already kind of on that side anyway. So it wasn't hard to mystify me. If you go into that with any doubt, the, the spirits are shy. The spirit realms are shy. The deities, the gods are shy. They don't want to make themselves known to anybody that's going to, number one, represent them falsely in the material world. And number two, scare them. Because mm. we, we're the ones, we're the ones that have power over the physical. You know what I mean? Like mm. if if you're if you're witnessing something spiritual, you have an experience that they want. It wants. Mm. So, like you know, extreme caution, extreme caution when you do it. It's not cocaine, not heroin. Those keep you materially bound. Mm. These entheogens, these spiritual teachers, it. I say it like this: It doesn't even matter if you're not. If it's not for you, it's not going to make itself available. First of all, mm. you can't just walk down the street and get some shrooms. And if you do do them, it's just like uh, if you ever seen Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark. Before you can get to the treasure, there's always going to be traps, right? <laughs> to scare to scare the weak away. So yes, if uh, if if everybody on Earth decided tomorrow to do mushrooms, it would still be only certain people that are let through that are ready for that experience. Right. Wow. On the track from your Holy Ghost 2 album called Yahweh Shai, you say yeah. at the end of the song, a wise man once said, patience is a virtue, but time is a relentless force and waiting too long could result in missing your opportunity to be God. Further expound on what you mean by that statement. So vices can be virtues and virtues can be vices. Meaning that if you're too virtuous in one set of morality, it could stifle your experience here. Just like if you're too good and you never experience what bad is, then you might not have any sense of, uh, any sense of excitement in your life. Um, so when you're thinking about patience, as a virtue mm -hmm. and what patience can bring, right? And how patience can bring you beautiful gardens and patience can, can bring you love and riches. It could also turn to laziness. Mm. You know, it could also turn to 
too much hopefulness and too much faith. You're kind of you're kind of the grandma sitting on the porch waiting for Jesus to descend from the sky. At a, at a sense, patience enough to realize that you are God and all the miracles are enacted through you. So don't miss your chance just because you're patient, just because you're waiting for the bus or you're on the bus and you're the last stop. Don't be asleep when that stop comes because that's, that's what this is. Like, this is the play net, you know, just like a playground or playtime. Like, you know, if you're waiting too long for playtime, you might fall asleep while all the kids is outside dancing in the sprinklers. Mm. So um, you have to be active. You have to be, you have to want, you have to, at the same time, you want to, you, you want to be patient. You have to balance that with eagerness and, and motivated action, you know, and, and, have intention in what you do. The patience comes, the patience should come after the action, not before it. Wow. So yeah, patience, have patience after you sent the letter, but you got to work to write the letter. You got to work, work to stamp it and get it to the mailbox. Then have patience, but not before that, you know, cause it's not going to just come. You got to bring it. Got it. Got it. I like how you broke down the balance aspect of it, too. Right. Because a lot of times, like you said, we just focus on one thing. Like like you said, if you if you're continuously patient, which is a good thing, but um, you might be mm-hmm. missing opportunities by not taking those chances at times when it's necessary. Yeah, exactly. I like that. Exactly. On, on that album, you also have a song called Black N.I.G.G.A., I think that's from that album, right? Holy Ghost 2 as well? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I got a lot of reference from, from that album. Um, but yeah, that song, I really like it because you show the transformation from like the black N-I-G-G-A to the black winner, right? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, yeah. it kind of shows like that transformation from the low vibration black brother to now the high vibration black, black brother. What do you think is the biggest thing distracting the path of the black N-I-G-G-A to become or to transition into that black winner? Just looking at what we're dealing with generally as a people, what's blocking that transition? So if we look at the most successful black people that we've seen, um, whether it be in athletics, music, science, politics, whatever it may be. It's always the ones that don't focus on the fact that they're black. They just are great. They're mm. black. They know they're black. They might not even know they're black, right? Because I, I, I always said, I, what would you do if the whole world was black? And then do that. Because a lot of the times we get caught up in proving our greatness of black. Oh, I'm black. We deserve this. Mm. Oh, I'm black. Let me do that. Oh, you know, the white man stops me from doing that. You know what I mean? But if you didn't even worry about that, what would you do? What Mm. would you do to stand out against the other blacks? Because, yeah, we're great. You know, we dance, we sing, we, we, everything we touch turns to gold, essentially. But we get so caught up in that, that we end up looking like Slick Rick. (laughs) You know what I mean? And not, and not being the guy that signs him. Mm. You know, so a lot of it is like we get so caught up in the materialisticness of our blackness that we kind of slip out of out of uh, the, just the being of it, the being of it, um, the mirror, 
the mirror, the video, the fact that we can even look at ourselves. Um, if you listen to, if you ever read the book of The Alchemist, the main character, his name is Narcissus, and he fell in love with himself after seeing his reflection in the water. Mm. Right? And, and that, and that kind of, that's why your eyes are in the front of your face. Why you don't, while really you need some kind of, you need some kind of uh, uh, technology or something other than thyself to see thyself. Like my beauty is a gift to the of the of of the person who gets to view it. Right. Essentially, I'm not supposed to have. We invent or or seek something to find purpose in how we look, and and a lot of a lot of the time we get caught up in that. And in the first verse of that, I'm going through what just a, a, a somebody obsessed with materialism yeah. and feeling good and, and, and ego and pride, like, you know, kind of the gorilla beating his chest, you know? And then in the second one, it's a mirror effect because it's the same, it's basically the same verse. I say the same things, but in a, in a sense to where now he's selfless, you go from selfish yeah. to selfless. Yeah. And, um, I remember I was looking at the word selfish and the reason why the word selfish is selfish is because if you selfish, then you're selfish because you could then teach the next man to fish for himself. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Selfish is the one who sells the fish. Wow. He doesn't share the fish. Right. And I, once you get caught in that, then you're not going to be able to bring your people up. If you're the only one that's rich, if you're the only one that's, that's if you if you if you have that crabs in a bucket mentality. So, you know, in the second verse, he's sharing his love with, with, with the woman. He's, he's hopeful about creating a legacy in a son where, you know, a young man might be like, yo, fuck that bitch. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to drink that hang, you know, get lit. Like, yo, you know, not taking care of his kid. You know what I mean? Whatever it may be, you're, you're, you're in a, you're in a state of self. You're still trying to find thyself. But once you find thyself, you don't have to think about yourself no more. Now you don't need the ego no more because you know it. You you validated it. So that's kind of where that 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 wow uh, that aspect comes from. That's well said, man. You know, like I said, you have a way with words. I, I can't remember where this line comes from. I think it's from one of the newer tracks you put out. But you say, "I see." You say, "Um, you see impossible. I see I'm possible." <laughs> And I was like, when yeah. I heard that, I was like, yo, that's dope. I like that. Yeah, yeah. As simple as that. There's so, like the words, when you start to look at these words, you can extrapolate directly from them. Mm -hmm. It depends on how you see it, right? Because, um, right? So think about the word stable or able or Cain and able. Like, uh, mm. right? It's Cain because what does a shepherd hold? A cane or a staff. And right. a bull. And what does the shepherd? The shepherd is the shepherd of a bull. And Cain has to slay thy bull, even though it's his brother. I had to raise it. I had to see it become a bull. And it has to slay it, right? For its own hunger and its own greed. Right? Wow. So Cain and a bull. And then anything that has a bull is talking about bull. So we talk about stable. And if you're stable or you have a stable where you hold the bulls, that's where the bulls stay. Yo, that's dope. Or if you're humble, <laughs> yeah, or if you're humble, see, bulls moo really loud. Ooh. If it's a humming bull, um, it's now a humble bull. 
Yo, or, Cam, you taking me to school tonight, man. I feel like I'm in a super lyricist yeah. course. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what's what up, it though. It, it, but but that's that's what it is when you see impossible. Yeah. It's also I'm possible. Definitely. It, it's, it's, a, it's a perfect word. A word that is well, well titled can define itself. And you can look at it long enough to find all of its meanings. I mean, it's always, it's always there. Always there. Dope, man. Now, coming back to the album LSD, short for Lunar Solar Duality. Just curious to know, what can people expect from this project that's different from any other project that you put out, aside from it being on Mellow Music Group? Like, a lot of your projects are like, I don't want to say that they're exactly the same, but I know that when I hear a Cam Bada project, I know what I'm getting, which is a good thing. Yeah. But how is this one different? I know you've been, you've been working on it for some years. Where is this one going to separate itself in greatness, right? Because all of them are also dope, but where is this one going to separate itself in greatness from the others? Well, just as the title insinuates, it is the lunar-solar duality. So it is a literally a conceptual album that implements the lunar aspect or the moon or the darkness and the solar aspect or the sun or the light. So it is literally a twofold album where the first eight tracks correspond with the moon or the darkness and the second eight tracks correspond with the light or the sun. And I would say what separates this is that there are actually a few songs where I execute a level of songwriting and vocal technique that I've never done um, on my previous albums. So mm -hmm. there'll be a new, new level of Cambada, new vocal techniques, new voice that, you, that the people haven't heard yet. There'll be a couple of songs like that. There'll be a couple more personal songs. A lot of times people, they, um, one of their critiques of me is that I don't talk in reality enough. Like I'm so surreal mm -hmm. that they don't know who I am. And my response to them is that, look, you know, out of all the rappers in hip hop, most of them give you that. Yeah. Um, I would be doing a vast dis 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 disservice to hip hop fans if I didn't give them something new. Right. So, you know, really and, and plus you kinda need to live in order to say stuff like that. Like, you know, there's those rappers that say, Yo, you can't even speak like me. Or, you know, I've been through shit, you know, my shit is real. And those people are true because I could never in my life write something like DMX. Never. Mm. Right? That, that, what he was doing, you had to live through what that man was going through to write that. So in order for me to even get close to doing something like that, that corresponds with my life, I got to live. And a lot of times when you're young, you're still going through the, the process to where, you, you know how they say God protects the fools and the babies? Mm -hmm. As a young man, I knew that I suppressed and, 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 and repressed a lot of my feelings. And it took me coming into being a man and going through real life depression to get some of these feelings out. So you're going to get, not only are you going to, on this album, you're going to get a new level of songwriting, but you're going to get some real emotion from me that definitely talks about the darkness that I'm currently going through now. Um, and you're going to get about four concept songs 
that have never been executed before. Mm. So um, where, you know, you would get, uh, remember Nostomatic? We got Got Yourself a Gun and we got uh, yeah. we got uh, One Mic and we got Rewind. Right. You know, you know yes. how he does those Absolutely. concert songs? Yeah. And um, people used to do story songs. People yeah. used to do story songs and they used to do... Um, you know, concept songs and big elderly bonics. Right. Like really the pen got lazy because you don't need to do that. Like, so everything is based off the kids and anybody that's coming up now, that's a young 18 year old now was basically born in the 2000s. Kind of, they were born in the 2000s. I mean, by the time they started listening to hip hop, it was already past the soldier boy era. And they're not listening to Nas and Jay-Z like we were. Like, I was a kid listening to Rewind. These kids now are basically listening. They're listening to Roddy Rich. They're listening to, you know, Megan Thee Stallion, mm-hmm. which are good artists, but they're not doing concepts. So who's going to be the rapper that does that for the kids now? Who is going to be the one to say, look, this is where the pen can go. Yeah. So this album is going to offer you just some new wrinkles from Cambada personally and my songwriting and my emotional output. But it's also going to offer hip hop as a whole at least four concept songs that have never been done by another rapper to this level of linguistic wow. mastery. I'm looking forward to it, man. Just the way you put it. Now, is the, does the album have, like, I see that you have Apollo Brown on the Nightmare track. And I don't know if that's even on the album, but like, who are some of the collaborators on this project? that maybe you haven't collaborated with? Did you collaborate with any of, like, the mellow music, you know, artists that are usually attached to that label? Like, is there, are we going to see something like yeah. that, or is it just kind of Cam, Cambada mainly? So um, the Apollo track came after. That was just a one-off track that okay. me and Apollo did to kind of um, announce me signing to mellow music but we're definitely going to do something in the future so okay, dope. 2021 2022 we'll, we'll have something going um as far as the album goes it's mostly me okay the only rap feature i have is red pill dope, dope. um and the rest of the features are singers um none of them are famous but shout out to what well, they will be they will be famous soon like i got kenny buttons on there who's who's completely dope um, I got Onyx, Natural Onyx, who's a, another singer, dope. Songbird, dope. And and then I got another kid named um, J- Jamal Ray as a singer. But really, the only other rap voice on the album is Red Pill, and that's for one verse. And that's a track that I have uh, um, Brother Rich or Black Magic produced that track. It's called nice. 24 Hours. Dope. Um, the other producers... I got like uh, Piff James, who's a producer. Um, can't really. I got my boy Eddie. It's really, it's really no, no real super famous names on there. I do the I don't do a lot of features on my personal album. Got it. Not yet, at least. Yeah, I wanted to kind of use this as an opportunity to really show my expansiveness. Um, but definitely, like, after that, I'm doing a collab album with um, Loaded Lux. I just hooked up with uh, Saw Rock and Soul Messiah. Oh, dope. Um, yeah, yeah. So those gonna be interesting. are, are going to come. That's mm-hmm. going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to that. 
Both of them joints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You, you did a collabo single with Cannabis. And mm. I would be remiss if I don't mention this before this interview is over. Just tell me a little bit about how that collaboration came to be. I know it was just one one track, but um, what was it like, you know, connecting with him to the point where you guys actually did a, a song together? Um, I mean... Well, first of all, shout out to Thanos and Domingo. Um, shout out to T-Ray's Walls. I believe the line of connection starts with T-Ray's Walls, which is a rapper that I connected with, a legendary rapper that I connected with um, and I was working with for a while. And he introduced me to a producer named Thanos. Mm. And Thanos was actually producing with a producer named Domingo Padilla. Now, Domingo Padilla is actually... Um, well, hold on real quick. Do you have a charger somewhere? I might need this. I got a charger. Yeah, take your time. I, I can edit it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just got to find a uh, charger real quick. Yeah, take your time. I, right. I got time. Yeah, yeah so... Uh, all right, so if you're familiar with Big Pun... He has a of song course. called Dream Shatterer. Yes. Dream Shatterer, you know, that joint. Um, yep, very familiar. He produced, so he actually was working with uh, Cannabis on an album. Uh, and Thanos produced the track with him, was the co-producer on the track. And they were looking for somebody to collab with him mm. on the track. And they mentioned, they mentioned me. Wow. And um, they got in contact with me and got me to do the verse on there. And I, prior to that, I never met Cannabis. Wow. I didn't even know who, I, I didn't even know he knew who I was, literally. Wow. And um, yeah, it was like, it was a dream come true. When I met him, I, he, he told me that he was familiar with all my music. He's been listening to me for a while. Wow. I mean, he gave me cool. He basically passed the torch to me. And was telling me stories that people would die to know, like, you know, giving me game. Like people forget how how famous and how big this guy was. I mean, Absolutely. he got a two million dollar record deal at one point. He was working with Wyclef. He was most yeah. right for everybody. He was in a bamboozle movie. Like, not only that, but he's easily one of the greatest lyricists of all time. Like, if we're talking strictly lyrics. Right. You can't if you have a top five and he's not in there strictly lyric based. Then you you gotta you gotta go back and listen to what this man did with his pen. Wow. I nobody will top the amount of rhymes that he wrote. I mean, he's done ten thousand bars. I mean, he told me that when he when they first heard of him, I mean, I'm talking about about a get retarded on his first album. He already had four and a half hours of rhymes in his head. Wow! All the rhymes that we heard from cannabis, like the classic rhymes. These were written when he was a kid. This is wow. him, like, that guy is truly a genius, man. So when I had that opportunity, I mean, I took full, full uh, respect and, and, and seriousness with it. Wow. I think it's pretty honorable that they were looking for someone to work with him and they thought of you. And then when he, when you finally got a chance to connect with him, he told you that he knew about your music, that's pretty, pretty honorable for you, brother. That's dope. Yeah, because Cannabis beyond, is one of the illest, any, man. Any of the listeners, 
not to cut you off, like you never know who's listening to you. Yeah. Like it's like it's almost as if they brought up the name and cannabis was like, yes, him, yes, get him, because he could have he could work with whoever he wants, you know. Wow. I, you know, I'm basically compared to him. I'm you know I'm I'm vastly unknown comparably. He didn't have to go and rap with the young monster. He elected to work with me. Like that's like imagine if you're imagine if you're a boxer who got a belt. And you go and you 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 didn't take a fight with the youngest, yeah. most ridiculous brawler that nobody knows, just because you respect them. You know that's what cannabis did, man. And man, you know, he's real. He's you know real. what I just thought about, and I I never thought about this when the track came out, but it just dawned on me. The track is actually titled with your name in it. It's like cannabis cambada. So like, just off the strength of that alone, like people would know your name just off the title, you know, like forget the feature, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that was his choice. Wow. That was his choice. It was his choice to switch the beat, everything. Like, yo, that's he dope. gave me, a, he gave me that. He gave me the baton. Like, yeah, definitely a very honorable person. I was very humble. Still to this day, very humble. Man. Yeah. Wow, man. I want to actually, Shift gears. We're almost done. Thank you so much for taking the time. But I definitely want to talk to you about another track from... Well, this track is actually from Kambala Volume 1. The track is called Ego Death. And you have a line that goes, The fear of death is slaving you. It's changing you. It's making you afraid to do the things that you were made to do. We're in a place where, where your creator animated you for training you and testing all the strength in you to make it through. Wow. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that stumble. It's like, how did it, yeah. how did it rhyme like that and still make that much sense? Right. But specifically, I want to know, how does one get to the place where they can fully live out their purpose without fear becoming such a big distraction? You know, when I first realized this is that, I mean, even looking at birds and look at a housefly, a mosquito for that matter, they don't live with the fear of death. If, 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 if danger, uh, it responds, it responds to danger mm. and its anxiety keeps them alive. They, it, it's fear is essentially related to your central nervous system and your fight or flight response to mm -hmm. survival. So you have to feel a spike in adrenaline to enact. It's just that we're living in a highly uh, psychological holographic realm where we're tricked. So your mind, because it's so complex, can create fears within yourself and create almost these mental visualizations where you see yourself going through death or going through failure or going through embarrassment and your body goes through the same response that it would go through if an animal was faced with a bigger animal about to eat it. And then we get used to just saying no. So literally like fear is supposed to help you, mm. right? It's the fear of death is what stops an animal from killing itself as soon as it, but it doesn't stop flying. Like you see monkeys, they don't, they're not afraid to fall. So they always land. It's, it's the same thing of being in that flow state. Like 
if I go out to the basketball hoop right now and try to explode and dunk, I can't because my body doesn't, my mind doesn't trust my body. It's almost as if my knees will explode if I fully, but an animal, you take an old ape that hasn't moved and present it with something and it's going to go. Mm. It's going to go because the body is not tuned like that. Like we develop these and we pass them down through generation. So yes, the fear of death is slaving you. It is absolutely um, that in itself. Death is, is, is ego death. It's death of character. It's death of fame. It's death of beauty. It's death of everything that we hold on to as a part of our ego mask here is what's keeping us from being able to remove it and live a free life. You know, um, you know, look at people in the forest, you know, people that don't know any of this shit are able to just go, mm. you know, it, it, it's, it, and you won't, and you won't just die. Like if, if, if it was that easy, nothing would survive. Mm. You know, there is an aspect of destiny and fate that keeps you here. You know, think about how many people are on the highway every day driving at high speeds in mm. these death machines, but still making home every day, mm. you know? So yeah, like once you let go of death, the fear of death, then you can start doing impossible shit. Mm -hmm. You ever see Tony Hawk and these BMX and these snowboarders and these extreme sports guys and these, uh, 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 you know, free climbers, mountain climbers, these guys aren't afraid of death. That's why they're able to do such amazing things. Point mm -hmm. blank. Mm -hmm. Same thing with me. I'm not afraid to die. So I can go deeper into the darkness of my mind and pull out creative facets that other people are afraid to go through. Yeah, I just think about this word fear, right? Like, um, it's funny because um, somebody brought to my attention, and this is before I actually watched the movie. In the Harriet Tubman movie, the preacher had told Harriet that fear is going to be her biggest enemy. And it, like, mm. really resonated. And when you think about how Harriet was able to navigate through you know, the underground real world, like fear had to be put out of sight in order for her to be able yeah. to do that and not just not just do it, but actually do it again and again. Yeah. Yo, yeah. you know what too, man? And this always happens to me like when I'm on mushrooms or I'm in a state of out-of-bodiness. I always get up and I'm like, damn, like, why don't I just get it now? Like, I'll be like, I'll be sitting there like, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not as rich as I could be or I'm not as famous as I could be. And in those moments, I realize that all I got to do is do it. Mm. Like, literally, like, there's been, you know, before I got a deal, before I even went to New York, I was like, all I got to do is jump on a plane, sit in front of somewhere, and, and wait till that person, like, literally knock on the door. And don't stop knocking until somebody answers. Everything is available right now. It's just that... We build up these, these, uh, these internal, internal visuals of us failing. Mm. And that keeps us from doing things. That, like humans are mad, like docile. Like you'll notice it. Like if you ever watch Dame Dash or Backstage, one of the reasons right. why Dame Dash or P. Diddy or these guys are, are successful is because they're not afraid to be aggressive. And they realize that most people are not going to punch them in the face. So they could go around like, yo, I need my money now. Yo, just tell me, yo. And, and they basically can bully their way in because they know that most people are these docile, 
um, passive creatures that really don't do much. We just walk in circles, eating shit all day. So if you could, if you could just really enter a situation with a little bit more energy and aggression than the next person, you could get whatever the fuck you want on earth at mm. all times right now, mm. right now. You can really just, you could probably walk up to a hundred people and say, give me a hundred dollars and find two of them that'll do it just because you're not scared to do it. You know? Wow. Another line from Holy Ghost 2. You say, I'm forgetting the actual track, but you say, I can see better in 4D than you do in 3D. Explain Mm. what 4D and 5D actually is and why one operating on the lower dimensions might benefit from tapping into these higher ones. So... If you get into math and just basic physics, um, when we're talking about dimensions on a physical level, we're talking about length, height, width. That's what gives us three dimensions. We have the ability to see visually um, a structure in front of us, its length, its height, and then its width, which gives you the depth in the perception of three dimensions. You can see the depth, the, the field of depth, the perception. Um, of three dimensions because we are viewing from the fourth dimension. So your spirit is operating on the fourth dimension and it's able to see, or you have to be in the dimension above the dimension you are experiencing in order to experience that dimension. So based on just that theory alone, Mm. you know that the unseen aspect of yourself must be 4D in order for you to experience and pick up in sensory three dimension. Um, so that means if you take that rule even further, then your four, fourth dimensional self must have a corresponding five dimensional self. Mm-hmm. And if you take that into Kabbalah or anything like that, the first three dimensions are what make up the physical realm. The fifth dimension. Um, would, or the fourth dimension is the first dimension of the spiritual realm. Mm. And beyond those realms, you get the God realm, which is the culmination or the, 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 the source. It is the source beyond that. So, and then, of course, every source has a source. So, I mean, you can extrapolate that as far back as right, you want right. to go. I was just going to say, just to we, just for people that may not know, like if you had to explain what what would be the dimension we're on right now, where people generally are physically on, and and yeah, just kind of breaking that down, and then the elevation to the next ones as briefly yeah, as you can. So I know it's kind of tough, but yeah, yeah. So reality that you see through your eyes is three dimensional. Mm-hmm. Your senses, your eyes. Your ears, your nose, and your fingers give you the ability to interact in three dimensions, which is length, height, and width mm-hmm. on a on visual level. That means that your spirit is operating from the fourth dimension. So when you look at your shadow, a shadow is two-dimensional because your body is three-dimensional. Mm. Your body is the shadow of your fourth-dimensional self. So the same way that your shadow is the shadow of your three-dimensional self. Mm. That was your that- spirit is fourth-dimensional. So here it is. Your spirit is fourth-dimensional, your body is three-dimensional, and your shadow is two-dimensional. 
Got it. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, I just wanted to wanted you to break it down for folks that might not know. You know, I'm not too well versed mm-hmm. in it myself, but it's very intriguing, you know. And I like yeah. that how you kind of throw it in your just, lyrics too. Yeah, and just 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 on another level, a tesseract is fourth dimensional. It's a fourth dimensional version of a three dimensional cube of a two dimensional square. So a square has two dimensions, a cube has four uh, has three dimensions, and a tesseract has four dimensions. We do not have the ability to see a tesseract. But mathematically, it is what is above a cube, which a cube is a square in three dimensions, and a tesseract is a cube in four dimensions. That's the mathematical definition. Mm. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that, Cambada, man. I want to really just say I appreciate you for taking the time again today. I'm so looking forward to this project. You said it's coming out in July, right? What's the date again in July? It's July 21st. Okay. Um, you can now pre-order the album at www.cambottomusic.com. That's LSD, The Lunar Solar Duality, July 21st. Wonderful, man. I'm looking forward to it. I, I can't wait to hear new music. Please, if if you're able to, you know, send us in, you know, maybe a track or two if you're able to. No, no, no worries if you can't, because um, we usually do like our mixes on Mixcloud um, on a monthly basis. So if you're able to, we would love to kind of play some of the music. But if not, man, I'm definitely going to be looking for the music. Any last words you want to say to the listeners out there? You know, maybe you want to let them know where you're, you know, where they can find you online, whether your social, you know, your social media platforms, yeah. websites, whatever. Yeah. First of all, um, thank you and gratitude to you and Out the Box Media uh, Radio for for having me on. I mean, I'm beyond honored. Um, secondly, uh, again, I go by the name of Cambada. If you haven't heard it, now you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me at at Cambada Music. It's spelled C-A-M-B-A-T-T-A, music. Um, you can find my music at www.cambadamusic.com, which is also where you will go to pre-order my upcoming album, LSD, dropping July 21st. Um, if you haven't heard my music yet and you're a fan of bars, rhymes, crazy concepts, um, consciousness, wild uh, drugs, and stuff like that, definitely give me a listen. Um, and uh, share it, man. Word of mouth. Mm. What? What? Just in closing, what would you want people to take away from this project? I know it's not out yet, but like, what would you hope within the first? I don't know if that's too soon, but within the first couple of months that people hear this project, what would you hope it does for the you know for their listening experience? I hope that it it shifts their mind and as just an effective way as seeing an alien would. Um, I hope that they, that they can wrap their minds around what I'm doing and understand this is the greatest act of lyricism that they've ever heard at this point. Mm. 100%. They have to understand that um, because that's why I did it. You know what I mean? Essentially like from a selfish point of view, I I have to be validated so I can continue to do this. If 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 I'm 
if I'm validated on a physical level, I can continue to do the spiritual work to continue to bring this on. But when you're listening to this, you're listening to the next level of lyricism. This is a, this is a human being that took the intentional approach at mastering the pen and mastering the literary techniques of the authors that make rappers look like elementary school students. If you listen to James <laughs> Joyce, if like you it. listen to H.G. Wells, these guys are using levels of description to tell their stories that rappers haven't seen yet. And I want to be the spark that makes the sort of future rappers are able to do that. Wow. I like that, man. Very well said. Again, thank you again, Brother Cambada. All the best with this project and all the future stuff you got coming. I'm, I'm hoping that we get another uh, Black Magic collabo album because I love those projects when you release them. Definitely. So, you know, we'll, we'll yeah, definitely keep it. coming. I'll throw that in before, not to cut you off, but 1010, October 10th, 2020, Black Magic, Loaded Lux, Cambada um, collab album. Comes. Oh, that's, that's the album. Oh, nice, nice. So it's a Loaded Lux collabo. Oh, nice. Is that going to be Holy Ghost Part Night. Three? No, that's not a whole new joint. To the it's going to be to the to the likeness of it. Got it. It's going to be called Manifest Destiny. It's Manifest Destiny. Ah, I like that title. Listen. Yes. Shout out to all of our listeners at Out the Box Talks. If you guys have been tuning in on you know our podcast via Spotify. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. I want to thank you. Make sure you check for us every Friday. We put out a new episode. Go to our website, outtheboxmedia.com, and uh, subscribe. You just got to hit that menu tab, then click subscribe, and the rest is history. You know, so definitely keep it locked. Keep checking for us. You know, thank you again, Cambada. Much success with this project. And like that, we're going to say peace and be out of here. Peace, peace, peace. Be safe, y'all. Yes, yes. Thank you.